Jagged low You know how slow the new Rolls Royce be Number one rapper Dippin' low low When I compressor Sippin' Momo Spin a lot of cheddar This my click couldn't be better I'm married to CMR Baby love it or leave it Drive drops when it's hot Stretch hummus when it's not Light up the whole block When you glance at my watch It's Wayne baby Thugged out won't change baby I do your main lady In a blue navigator That's game baby You can call me a game shooter But since I drive a bubble People call me Lex Luger I pull up in the expedition They be like no 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 he didn't <laughs> Welcome to DFS MVP, Daily Fantasy Sports Most Valuable Podcast, presented by 4 for 4 Football. I am 4 for 4's Senior DFS Editor, Chris Raybon, joined as always by my partner in crime, Mr. TJ Hernandez. What's good, TJ? Chris, what's up, man? Uh, just getting ready for this week, hoping to keep a little mini hot streak going. You, you and I were kind of talking about it off air, but uh, I think anybody that's been following the the slate breakdowns relatively close the last few weeks has probably came out uh, uh, pretty good. Most definitely, had a couple of good hits with uh, with our defenses lately. I think we both. Uh, we're on the Saints defense two weeks ago when they outscored every other fantasy player and both of us were on the Chargers last week. So that worked out well. If you guys want to subscribe to 444's DFS subscription, you can rate and review DFS MVP on iTunes. Send a screenshot to DFS MVP at 444.com for 25% off the 444 DFS subscription. The music that played us in today was none other than Bling Bling by the Cash Money Millionaires, the BG featuring the big timers, the hot boys off the 1999 album Chopper City in the Ghetto by BG. Thought this was a nice little classic song to get you guys hyped to make some shmoney so check it out bling bling cash money off 1999's chopper city in the ghetto let's get right into these week eight plays and then we'll go through the primetime slate with the lions and the steelers and the chiefs and the broncos let's start with quarterbacks tj your quarterback for week eight sounds a little familiar quarterback yeah, I uh I was on Tyrod last week and he's the the top overall value uh 4 for 4 at least for DraftKings this week. $7600 on FanDuel, uh getting a little bit of a discount on DraftKings $5900. Like I said, the top overall value uh, against the Raiders who rank 24th in quarterback adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh this game has an over under of 45 and a half. It might move down to 45, but uh I actually think that this game might have a little bit of, of sneaky shootout potential. I'll be talking about that uh, a little bit more, but at least w- whatever way you think this game goes, Tyrod just has a good matchup against the Raiders. They allow the, the third most fantasy points per pass attempt, and that's looking just at uh, fantasy points from passing yardage, uh, passing yardage against the Raiders, not including rushing yardage, and then the third most yards per attempt. And, and then, of course, we get the uh, added rushing upside from Tyrod. We got, I think, 53 three yards last week so that's a that's a free rushing touchdown if or passing touchdown if he hits that and the Raiders still banged up in the secondary uh Gary and Conley who was playing really well at the beginning of the year he looks like he's still going to be out with a uh, shoulder injury I believe and then David Amerson hurt his foot uh in the Thursday night game last week so an already struggling secondary could be down uh even even more than they have been lately so I really like Tyrod this week like it. Tyrod ended up in the winning FanDuel Sunday Million lineup mm-hmm. last week. So listen to us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not kidding. Listen to us. But uh <laughs> my quarterback is Carson Wentz, 7,200 on DraftKings, 7,900 on FanDuel. Carson Wentz is the... Quarterback two on the year, DraftKings 23.8 points per game. On FanDuel, he's the QB4 at 22.2 points per game. The Eagles' implied point total right now as we record this on Wednesday night is sitting at 29. That is the highest on the slate, even higher than the New England Patriots in Foxborough. 
So they're only at 27.75 right now. So great spot for Carson Wentz. The San Francisco 49ers are ranked 26th in 4-for-4's schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the quarterback position. Wentz is our top value on FanDuel by almost two full points. And he's our number four value on DraftKings, where he's priced up a bit. Number four value there, but he's only uh, less than half a point behind the number one value on DraftKings. So it looks really good all the way around for Carson Wentz. He's passing the eye test as well, playing pretty much like the MVP so far this year. And for you guys, if you're not a 4 for 4 DFS subscribers, we have a free article up this week that's usually behind the paywall, my Raybonds review article. And in it, I talked about how I think you're seeing a trend that's here to stay with uh, quarterbacks who are mobile and can move around a little bit, I think you're going to start to see those quarterbacks dominate fantasy and, and dominate real life as well. And I don't mean a mobile quarterback like a Robert Griffin or a Terrell Pryor from a few years ago where that was kind of what they made their their hay with. I mean, just these quarterbacks who can play from the pocket, but who can also extend plays and move around a bit, you know, kind of thinking of a poor man's Aaron Rodgers uh, a bit. And Carson Wentz is definitely one of those quarterbacks. He has 40 carries for 196 yards. Those 196 yards are third in the league. But, and I talked about this in the article, if you just look at the top eight quarterbacks, uh, seven of them have uh, over 120 rushing yards this season. Tom Brady, the only top eight QB right now with under 120 rushing yards. You have Dak Prescott, Alex Smith, Deshaun Watson, Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins, Russell Wilson, and Cam Newton. All those guys can move around a bit. And I think that's really important. And you talked about it um, off air, TJ, but just the way the NFL is going, these defensive linemen are getting faster and, and, and these offensive linemen are getting smaller and less skilled and it it just seems like especially with these new rules where you can't really touch receivers as much downfield quarterbacks who can just escape the the pocket and extend the play against these tough defensive linemen uh and and wait for the receivers to uncover or run for a first down uh, really have an advantage yeah uh definitely and like i mentioned with tyrod you you do get even if it's 30 rushing yards like that that's a near a passing touchdown so that really adds up and uh you mentioned wits being the value on uh on fanduel I think if you're worried about ownership with Wentz on DraftKings, it might not be as high as some people think just because uh, it's going to be hard to roster a lot of expensive players. So I do think he'll be probably the most popular play on both sides, but I think the margin will be a, a lot wider on FanDuel. I think Kirk Cousins on DraftKings like 6,400 or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah, think, I think you're right. I think Kirk Cousins actually might be the highest. I think we have him as the highest right now. I'm not sure. Um, on DraftKings, but I think, yeah, I don't think people are going to want to play, pay up into the 700, uh, 7,000s on DraftKings quite as much this week with, uh, not as many clear cut value plays, um, unless, um, depending on how popular the Oakland running backs are, I guess. Um, but the fact that there's two of them and they're going to split work, mm-hmm. I think might deter people a little bit from making them truly, uh, chalk plays. But yeah, I agree. I think, I don't think you, you can, you have to worry about quarterback ownership too much in general. I think you just play, you know, the, the guys that you think are, are going to to do the best in a given week, and you can if you're looking to finish high in a large field tournament or something like that. I think there's a can go contrarian in a lot of other ways, um, namely the wide receiver position. But let's get into the running backs, TJ. Who you got? Running back. Yeah, so I think that a team that is in a spot just for a, for an onslaught is the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to realize this uh, and we have them as our highest projected own offense overall, but uh, Joe Mixon at running back is a play that I think is viable in cash games. Is I kind of had to think about it at first because there were the uh, the kind of the squeaky wheel treatment. He, he was kind of complaining about his touches last week and I think a lot of people might have a little bit of pause about rostering him because of that but I, I went through and kind of looked at the game logs to see if there really was a big uh, a big downturn in his usage last week and uh, really he last week he was kind of on par with with what happened once he kind of became not the starter I mean Jeremy Hill's kind of been the de facto starter but the main back over the past six weeks Mixon has seen 55 percent of uh, the back the backfield's touches his snap share in that span has been 
56, 48, 55, and 43%. So it wasn't a huge drop off. And then, uh, since he kind of became that, go-to back, not again, not the starter, but their main back. He's seen about 61% of Cincinnati's overall backfield touches uh, in that four-game span, which is 13th amongst all running backs. So uh, last four weeks, he's been their main guy. Cincinnati is favored by 10 and a- Ten and a half points against the Colts, who rank 31st in running back AFPA. Indianapolis is allowing the fourth most fantasy points per touch to opponents, and they're the only defense to allow 10 touchdowns to opposing running backs. So uh, just a really good spot for this entire offense, and I think uh, Mixon is fine. I don't think we need to worry too much about his complaints about workload from last week. Yeah, I think with Mixon, you just have to kind of look at the game logs and look at the game scripts. I think this is a game where it's going to be a positive game script. Um, in 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 week three, in what was a, a positive game script against Green Bay for essentially four quarters because they lost the game in overtime. He had 21 touches in another blowout uh, positive game script against Cleveland. He had. Uh, 21 touches and that was in week four and then in, in against buffalo in another positive game script that they won that game by i believe it was three points um 15 touches and a touchdown aj green did a lot of the heavy lifting in that game which probably took took a few carries and yards and whatnot away from mixon but last week cincinnati got down in the game and mixon only got 10 touches so i think in this game against the colts with cincinnati being a home favorite I think you'll see Mixon's touches go back up into that 15 to 20 range, which is a really great value given his price. Yeah, and I mentioned the the Cincinnati onslaught spot. Uh, Indianapolis is the only team that's allowed their opponents to go over their implied total six times this year, and five of their games have went over the projected over-under, so uh, Indy hasn't done much to stop anyone at all. Yeah, Blake Bortles just threw for... 330 and <laughs> yeah. TJ Yeldon ran for a buck what a buck 20 was it something like that in the same game yeah the Chris Ivory tilt was real <laughs> I mean luckily you got that touchdown early yeah uh, that would have been ugly but I mean yeah this coast defense is not good uh, for running back I got Mark Ingram 7400 on DraftKings 7200 on FanDuel he is a top five value on both sites at 444.com the Saints are a nine-point home favorite. That's always a good thing for running backs. Positive game script because Mark Ingram in the last two weeks in positive game script, uh, among other things, of course, Adrian Peterson going to the Arizona Cardinals as well. But Ingram, 28 touches per game over the last two weeks. That is tied for third in the league over that span behind only Le'Veon Bell and Jordan Howard. So Mark Ingram in a, another good spot against Chicago. The, this is another game where the game script should be positive because Chicago, we see what they want to do. They're not really trying to throw the football, so they're not really going to blow anyone out. I don't see them jumping out to a big leading unless something really fluky um, happens, but especially not with the Saints being at home. So I think Mark Ingram is going to have a really good shot at getting another 20, 25 touches. And I mean, every other running back essentially getting that kind of workload is priced in the 8,000s and the 9,000s. So Mark Ingram getting priced up a little bit from kind of his bottoming out point when he was part of that three-headed monster, but still not priced uh, appropriately necessarily according to the amount of volume he is receiving. Yeah, we saw Alvin Kamara get 100 total yards last week. And I mean, I I don't think I'll ever be in a spot where I would play two running backs together. But uh, do you have both Saints, at least in your, your player pool for GPPs? Uh, yeah, I think Kamara is kind of like a weekly play at this point, but, uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't play, I don't play as many of those, um, cheap backs or like those non-short thing backs in GPPs. Sure. Um, just because I, I, the way I construct lineups, I usually find it a little easier where I'm kind of, I kind of got my stud running backs locked in and then I'm kind of going a little more contrarian at wide receiver. So it just kind of works out that way. Um, but yeah, I could certainly understand. Uh, playing a lot of Kamara. I mean, he's just a really good player. He's getting, you know, he's going to get around 12 to, to 18 touches in a given game. So if he gets on the high end of that or he's efficient, um, he can certainly give you give you a lot to work with. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think in, in your review this week, you talked about using chalk running backs. We've seen it in the past. We saw it uh, last week with both the, the Millionaire and the Sunday Million. You just don't need that contrarian back. But uh, moving on to wide receivers, 
Both of us have uh, a FanDuel wide receiver and a DraftKings wide receiver. Uh, the Steelers game is only on the main slate on FanDuel. So Juju Smith-Schuster is my FanDuel wide receiver this week at $5,500 with Martavis Bryant being sent to the practice squad. Uh, Martavis was at a 66% snap rate over the season. Juju has seen 63% of the snaps of the last couple weeks. They've kind of split. Uh, Martavis was seen 5.1 targets per game. Juju 3.7. Juju's been the one finding the end zone the past couple weeks. Uh, now he's a top 10 projected value on four for four with Martavis out of the picture. The, the pricing on both sites requires you to punt somewhere. And I think, uh, Smith Schuster is a good spot to punt. I like punting the more volatile positions and I, I kind of want to get up to a more expensive tight end. So that means I'll have to punt my wide receiver three on FanDuel this week. And I mean, we've seen it before. You can't necessarily just take a receiver out of an offense and, and say that, uh, the next guy up's going to automatically get his targets. But I mean, you have to think that with Tavis gone, uh, there's not a receiver that's going to line up, uh, outside for the majority of the snaps. So you have to think that Juju is going to see that 80 to 90% snap rate. And if that happens, that means he should see a, a pretty decent target share. Even if this week it's only say six or seven targets for his price, I think, uh, he, he can do some damage, especially because, um, Antonio will be shadowed by, uh, Detroit's number one cornerback. Help me out real quick. Darius Slay. Yeah, Slay, Slay will be on, uh, AB. So that should help out, uh, Smith Schuster a little bit. And then on DraftKings, uh, again, not a ton of value this week. Uh, but Pierre Garcon is still pretty affordable at $6,100. We have him projected as a top four value on the main slate. Averaging nine targets per game, including double digit targets in four games. So, I mean, you, to get that volume at his price is almost, uh, always going to be in consideration. Philadelphia is 24th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Chris, I know you have some interesting thoughts on AFPA this week and, uh, San Francisco should be in a pass heavy game script. They, uh, already have the third highest neutral pass rate in the league. And we've, uh, we already talked about Philadelphia with Wentz. They should be up pretty big. But the question of the week is, will Pierre Garcon ever score a touchdown? <laughs> yeah, for the, for the listeners out there, uh, me, TJ, uh, Joe Holka, a bunch of us have a, a Slack chat, uh, Justin Bailey, uh, we have a little Slack chat going that I personally don't participate much in because I just find it hard <laughs> to Slack and, and work. Like if I Slack, I would just, pro- I would actually Slack. Don't, sl- don't Slack and write. <laughs> right, exactly. So, um, I, I don't really participate in it too much, but I, uh, I logged on and I saw, you know, them trolling TJ about Eric Decker's goose egg. <laughs> but my contribution to the Slack chat was just asking if PR Garcon is going to score a touchdown this season because I, I don't know where it's going to come from. It just seems like, you know, every, he gets, he gets good volume, but man, just he never was a big touchdown scorer. And, uh, uh, it's it's got to come eventually, I think, but it's looking like one, he might have one of those years where he gets a thousand, he's one of those a thousand yard receivers with like two, two, three touchdowns on the season. But I think DraftKings is a better place to play him for that exact reason. If he goes over the hundred, you get a, you get half a touchdown, uh, every reception, you get twice as many points. So, um, his volume isn't as empty on DraftKings, uh, as it is on FanDuel. For my DraftKings wide receiver, I got Michael Crabtree. He's priced down at 6,300. He averages 16.1 DraftKings points per game. That's actually fifth on the slate. Yeah, he's priced as the 14th wide receiver. So you're getting some value there. Buffalo is ranked 20th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. Crabtree just very consistent, never sexy, but very uh, very reliable fantasy asset has been since he joined the Raiders this season. He has 80 yards or a touchdown in five of six games. And another reason I like Crabtree is the, the pendulum, I think, will swing back to him in this game. We know that when a, a player puts up a monster game, uh, like Amari Cooper's 200-yard game, 
last week, the first thing that the defensive coordinator does when he sits down and turns on the film and starts to create a game plan is, okay, we can't let Amari Cooper do this to us again. And so I think the coverage is going to, if it wasn't in these past few weeks, um, it's definitely going to tilt back to Amari Cooper this week. And I think that's going to leave Crabtree with some, 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 some spaces to get in the zone. We know Marshawn Lynch is out. So Oakland's not really going to have a power running game to, to rely on. So they're going to have to move the ball through the air for the most of, for most of the game, probably. And you, you could even have a situation where, and, and I think this actually helps Crabtree's floor a little bit, but, you know, I know you have some thoughts about this, which we'll talk about later, TJ, but if, if Oakland struggles because of that, going to the East Coast to play mm-hmm. an early game, um, if they get behind, I think Crabtree's still kind of the guy you want in that, in that offense because he'll probably get a couple extra, uh, possession catches underneath. So, like Crabtree this week on DraftKings where he's only 6,300. And then I'm FanDuel. I'm going up to 8,500 for A.J. Green. The Indianapolis Colts are 29th in schedule-adjusted fantasy points allowed to the wide receiver position. And then as I was kind of reviewing um, what I've been doing this season and kind of reviewing some of the calls I've made throughout the year, which is always a great process for anyone, I, I highly recommend that you kind of review all of your predictions and just look at kind of the hit rates and whatnot. But one the one thing that really stood out to me was that just, you know, just by kind of targeting wide receivers in the bottom against defenses in the bottom eight of schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed um, really increased the hit rate uh, to a ridiculous place um, relative to, you know, just looking at all receivers. So um, that's something I'm going to try to do a lot more, even though we, we've talked about before how sometimes you can't look at just uh, schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed or fantasy points allowed in general to the wide receiver position. You, you want to break it down by the wide receiver one, the wide receiver mm-hmm. two or whatnot. But once you kind of land on your, your initial plays and your player pool, um, I think the best of the best are really going to turn out to be those receivers where you like them for other reasons, but and they also have that that really good schedule adjusted matchup as well. So um turned out to be really predictive for, for all positions throughout. If you're just looking at if you just kind of eliminate any anybody in the top half or in certain if you kind of favor the ones in in the uh the bottom eight um in terms of defensive schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed, I think you really can increase your your hit rate on the plays you're making overall. AJ fourteen point seven points per game on FanDuel. That's fourth on the main slate. Nine point eight targets per game since Bill Lazor took over. That's tied for fourth in the league over that span. And he has seven hundred and twenty-two air yards. Um, that's per Josh Hermsmeyer's airyards.com. So he's sixth in air yards, which of course is just the 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 amount of uh the the amount of target depth times the targets that so kind of shows the wide receivers uh, upside a little bit and he's green is second in market share of air yards behind only Antonio Brown so I think this on paper at least looks like a smash spot for Mr AJ Green yeah you you mentioned um looking at wide receivers and and how we don't always want to just look at fantasy points allowed metrics to to the position because it's a high variance position with a lot of moving parts uh one thing we talked about early in the season i think week one is paying attention to those extremes and i think that holds true not only going into the season i I think that holds true uh throughout the season too i mean when we're talking about the position as a whole sure there is a lot of variance and a lot of things to take into account but i i think that just kind of reiterate what your in-season research has shown that uh, when we look at the teams that rank really poorly uh, against whatever position it might be then that carries even more weight than just uh, that a ranking against say the wide receiver overall yeah and I think one thing that and and I kind of did this quick and dirty study and I'm not uh, I guess I'm curious to hear what you think of it but essentially I I kind of was wondering like okay what matters more for in a in a fantasy matchup you know is it the matchup or is it the offense you know how much does the offense impose their will so and again I just did this kind of quick and dirty for for uh one year of data but one way I thought you could look at it was if you take let's say uh every team's quarterback fantasy points you know all 32 teams and you look at the standard deviation 
between each between them, and then you look at the standard deviation between all of the defenses, Matt, between all of the the fantasy points allowed. Um, the one with the higher standard deviation means there's more difference between each, which would mean it it has kind of more of an impact. So what I found was that um for for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, it's usually about the standard deviation. Um, if the proportion of standard deviations is about you know sixty forty to to sixty five thirty five in favor of the offense, which kind of tells me that. Uh, offense is, it's more of like a two to one kind of ratio a little bit where it's like the offense is kind of imposing their will, um, kind of more so defense is a reactionary thing a little bit more. And with that, that, how that relates to what you said about the schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed and the extremes, TJ, is that, um, whereas the, the bottom eight that, that where we've really seen some kind of predictive ability increasing, that would essentially be the halfway point because the, like, if it's a two to one ratio in favor of the offense, those like like slightly below average um, defenses aren't really moving the needle. Like if you have a bad offense, you know, facing a team that's like 20th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed might not move the needle. But when you start to get into that like 25, 26, that's kind of more of the baseline where, okay, it's really going to move the needle because it's like a two to one ratio. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, I think it's probably why we see uh, a effect of something like DraftKings, where it's kind of become in vogue to pay down for quarterback no matter what. And it's uh, it's strictly because of those glaring matchups that we've been able to take advantage of. And then when we have these insanely highly correlated positions like we saw i mean we saw it last week with with the seahawks if um if russell wilson is going to have a huge game then there's a good chance his wide receivers one is going to have a huge game and then you add on to it the the positional matchups for both positions and i think that uh, explains a little bit why we are seeing this phenomena yeah definitely um and that's just another mobile quarterback by the way that ended yep. up in a winning lineup in Russell Wilson who I don't think too many people um well I know too many people weren't on last week I think he was six percent in the um in the millie maker but let's get into the tight end position who you got tight end yeah, you mentioned Carson Wentz. The the whole Philadelphia offense, I think, against uh, against San Francisco is really going to be in play. And uh, I like Zach Ertz, especially on FanDuel. I'm generally not someone that's going to uh, pay up at tight end, especially on DraftKings. But FanDuel's just kind of uh, allowed it this year. He's seventy three hundred on FanDuel, seven thousand dollars on DraftKings. If if you compare him to uh, the number one overall tight end Gronk, I think you're getting like an eleven hundred dollar discount on. FanDuel compared to DraftKings where I think they're only $100 apart. So always kind of looking at that relative pricing. And as I mentioned, you can just fit Zacherts in on FanDuel a little bit easier. Uh, any counting category or fantasy statistical number that you're going to look at, Zacherts is number one at tight end right now. It targets, catches, yards, touchdowns, um, and he's our, our top projected value at FanDuel. Now, we talked a little bit about matchup and AFPA and 49ers do rank in the top three in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight ends and eighth in fantasy points per target allowed. Uh, so there is a little bit of a concern there, but again, I, I think this is just a smash spot for Philly and Ertz is more of a wide receiver one at this point than a tight end. If we look at how the 49ers got to their, uh, number three ranking in AFPA, they faced Olsen, uh, Greg Olsen and Jimmy Graham in the first two weeks before those offenses really had their legs. Uh, two weeks ago, Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis combined for over a hundred yards, but, uh, Jordan Reed didn't have a great game. So that contributes to the AFPA scoring a little bit. He was coming off an injury that week. And then last week, Witten went 54 and one against them. So over the past couple weeks, we've seen them a little more susceptible to the position overall. And again, I just think that Ertz is such a high volume, uh, receiver basically that you can fit him in. I, I think he's fine on FanDuel. Yeah, I think that is actually the key point is that given his position and the amount of volume he gets, even in a bad matchup, um, he can still conceivably outscore pretty much any other tight end. If he was a wide receiver um, and you had, you know, 30, 40, 50 other options uh, to, to, to choose from, or maybe not that many, but, you know, a, a bunch of other options mm -hmm. to choose from, I don't think he would be um, necessarily the same type of 
a, a play, but because you're looking at a situation where you only have maybe a handful of tight ends that you could conceivably predict uh, that, that are going to kind of weed the weak in fantasy points and anyone else kind of might just come out of left field like a like a OJ Howard or something. I think Ertz is a good play. The reason for people wondering out there why San Francisco has been so strong against the tight end position is they have a safety that they're playing named uh, Jaquesky Tart, and he plays full time snaps every week, and he's uh, excellent in coverage. Um, uh, he's near. I'm not sure. He's got an 87.7 um, PFF grade in coverage. I'm not sure exactly what that what the grade is on that, but he's eighth overall. So um, he's he's been really strong at, at covering the tight ends. That said, I don't think. Um, I don't think he's better than Zach Ertz. I, mean, I think there's just certain tight ends that are going to win matchups uh, against anybody. So I think um, Ertz is definitely in play this week, as he is every week. I mean, his last 16, 17 game numbers are, are essentially like that of a, a, a wide receiver one. Uh, for tight ends, I got Hunter Henry, 4,800 on DK and 5,500 on FanDuel and New England, they are 22nd in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed. San Diego, uh, going on the road as an underdog. And I think, you know, if they, if they're losing this game, I think you're going to see Henry, Henry kind of get, get targeted, um, underneath as they're trying to come back similar to how they force fed the ball to Julio Jones, um, last week in Atlanta when they were down. And Hunter Henry, he had a couple of hiccups earlier in the year where he played and didn't get targeted. And I think after it happened, it happened twice in the first three weeks. And after the second time it happened, uh, the head coach kind of came out and Anthony went and he said, we got to get this guy more involved. And ever since then, it's been a lot better. And it's really interesting because I think we all remember these two games where Henry put up those goose eggs. But in the five other games he's played, he has at least 73 yards or a touchdown. So Hunter Henry actually has at least 73 yards or a touchdown um, in every game that he's been targeted. So, so um, <laughs> it's interesting way to look at it, but I think he's going to get targeted in this one. Um, I think he has a lot of a lot of upside in this type of in this type of matchup where you could you could see a lot of points. Um, and you just have a New England linebacking core that's pretty slow, and I don't think they're going to really have to. Um, you, they're, they're playing more zone defense now because they're, they're they couldn't handle as much um, of their assignments and responsibilities early in the season when they were playing man. So they're playing more zone defense. I don't think they're. they're I think their linebackers can be exploited in coverage. Uh, I think this is a good spot for Henry Antonio Gates kind of fading into uh, the sunset. Yeah, that that snap share has pretty much been going in opposite direction for the Chargers tight ends. Henry uh, up to 80% in the last two games, 75% in the last three. So seeing a ton of the snaps. And as you mentioned, whenever he's targeted, uh, he's going to be a force and he's averaging uh, just under seven targets per game in those last three. So I, I like yeah. that call a lot. And, and, uh, shout out to my man, Evan Silva, because for the last like two or three weeks, we, you know, we talk, we usually talk and, uh, he's been like, Hey, you playing Hunter Henry this week? You playing Hunter Henry this week in cash? You gotta, I think he literally said to me, I think I told him I wasn't playing Henry in cash and he literally told me, um, I like L's. So um, (laughs) (laughs) no more L's, Evan. We're playing Henry this week. We're all in. Uh, who you got? Oh, it's me. I got kicker, Jake Elliott, um, 4,800 on FanDuel. He's a home favorite. Again, we talked about the Eagles. They're in a great spot. Elliott's 12.3 points per game. Leads all kickers on the main slate. I mean, it's not really much more complicated than that. He's already made a 61 yarder this year. So we know he has the leg and he can kind of give you some of that, that long kick upside. So uh, Jake Elliott, the top kicker, highest implied total uh, of the slate for Philadelphia. TJ, who you got at defense? Defense. Yeah, just like kind of going straight forward with Elliott, uh, just, just take it as it is this week. Uh, Cincinnati defense, $4,800 on FanDuel, $3,600 on DraftKings. Uh, I think especially on FanDuel, you can afford them even though they're priced up a little bit. I, I do like to look for a punt defense, uh, when I can find one. We mentioned that there have been a couple, uh, plays the last couple weeks. I, I just don't think there's one that I'm going to be comfortable with in cash this week. Cincinnati's a 10 and a half point favorite. Uh, they're projected to allow just over 16 points. Indianapolis ranks 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses, and they have the worst uh, adjusted sack rate in the league. That's a a stat that you and I mentioned quite a bit on here and in our write-ups. It's uh, a stat that uh, the guys over at Football Outsiders uh, just 
kind of puts all of the, the pressure and sack numbers into uh, throwaways all into one easy to understand metric and Indianapolis ranks last in that category where Cincinnati's defense, they rank in the top half of the league in the same category. And, and we always talk about how important it is to uh, get those quarterback pressures, especially when you're ahead, those translate to fantasy points. And uh, Cincinnati is a $600 discount relative to the defense one on FanDuel. So always looking to get that discount where I can. Yeah, and it's interesting too because Indianapolis is ranked uh, 30th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed mm-hmm. to defenses, which is kind of amazing because they came in the last week ranked 32nd and gave up about 20 points to the Jaguars, and yet they actually improved <laughs> yeah. because the Jaguars had been so monstrous that the Jaguars already had like a 30-point game. So yeah. like the schedule adjustment essentially knocked Indianapolis down a couple of pegs, but they're still a bottom three team. And uh, yeah, I think the Bengals are by far the best defensive play of the week. And speaking of playing this week, fantasy football fans, listen up. It's not too late to download the highest rated fantasy football app, Draft. Play in a real live snake draft, but be done in under five minutes and they last for just one week. Draft start every couple of minutes so you can join one right now for week eight. The best part, play for cold, hard cash. And get this, your chances of winning are 80% better than on the salary cap sites. All new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit, but you have to use the promo code 4 for 4 That's right. Play a real money game for free just by using the promo code 4 for 4 That's the number 4, the letters F-O-R, and the number 4, and it gets even better. Draft is so sure you'll love it that they're even offering DFS MVP listeners a money-back guarantee up to $100. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com and come play free right now with promo code 4 for 4 Now let's get into our primetime slate breakdown. Interesting primetime slate this week. We have the Pittsburgh Steelers going on the road to face the Detroit Lions. And then on Monday night, we have the Kansas City Chiefs against the Broncos. The Chiefs are a seven-point favorite. The Steelers are a three-point favorite on the road so tj i guess just start us off who do you think the uh the top values are in on this slate and who do you think highlight some of the the top matchups that you're looking at yeah so i think that where i have to start on this slate is i'm just trying to jam in uh Le'Veon Bell and Kareem Hunt and then work from there trying to figure out what are my sneaky values at other positions we're, we're going to get into it there just aren't a lot none of the quarterbacks look particularly great and they're uh outside of the the running backs there's just not a lot of uh guaranteed volume save maybe Antonio Brown so I'm trying to jam in uh Le'Veon and Hunt and uh 4-4 agrees with me on that they're the top two projected values on both sites uh and then we kind of have really big extremes in our matchups this week so uh just looking at adjusted fantasy points allowed uh we have uh detroit uh ranks in the bottom 10 in tight end running back and uh defensive adjusted fantasy points allowed kansas city ranks 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers denver ranks 32nd in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses so those are kind of the matchups that i i want to take advantage of there although i do have kind of a pivot spot pittsburgh's tight ends um i mean that that's a hard one to exploit i think probably people are going to want to get travis kelsey but that's also going to be very chalky. So the matchup says exploit Pittsburgh's tight ends versus uh, Detroit. And then uh, the worst matchups, I, I know I said I, I want to jam in Hunt. Uh, Denver ranks first in AFPA against running backs, but on these really short slates, when you get this massive volume running backs that are going to get uh, yardage in, in multiple ways, I, I think you still want to get exposure to that. So I am going to go against the grain in that matchup there. Uh, Kansas City ranks second in adjusted fantasy points allowed to opposing defenses. We know that offense has put, been putting up some crazy numbers. Uh, Pittsburgh has been very good against wide receivers. And then uh, Kansas City ranks very high against both tight ends and running backs. Yeah, 
It's a lot. Um, all right. So let's see. So we got. So we want to jam in Le'Veon Bell. <laughs> want to jam in Hunt. Um, sure. Juju Smith-Schuster. I, I, I'm guessing. Um, he's probably kind of a, a another like top value play on the low end. Um, how are you feeling about like Demarius Thomas? Uh, against this Kansas City defense, he's up at fifty nine hundred on DK and sixty nine hundred on Fanduel. Is that another player you're you're kind of want to get get in in most of your lineups? Yeah, I always like players that were kind of chalky coming off bad games, and that was Demarius last week. Even though he did have a eighty one yard catch get oh, called back yeah. that cost me a ton of money, but this isn't about my fantasy team. Uh, but he did have a pretty bad week after being pretty chalky. And with Emmanuel Sanders out, he's still going to be that target hog. And I, I think people probably still have a perception that Kansas City is a really good defense, but they've struggled against the pass this year. They got lit up by Derek Carr. They got lit up by Deshaun Watson. Uh, and Demarius Thomas is going to get the volume. And I kind of like Trevor Simeon as my favorite quarterback. So stacking those two together, I, I think is probably my favorite tournament play. And uh, we know that Terrence Mitchell is going to stay on one side. Marcus Peters is going to stay on the other side. And Demarius Thomas is going to line up pretty much wherever he wants. He's kind of split between both sides. So he's going to have uh, plenty of time away from Marcus Peters. And I think he has a bounce back game against a pretty suspect uh, Kansas City secondary outside of Peters. Yeah, I like it. Um, what what are we doing with the Kansas City offense outside of Hunt? Denver actually has been somewhat of a pass funnel this year. They rank mm-hmm. number one against running backs, number twelve against quarterbacks, and number twenty against the tight end position. I kind of like Alex Smith in this spot only because I think I don't think he'll be that highly owned necessarily because number one of the Denver matchup and number two because he's the highest priced quarterback on DK and the second highest on uh no he's tied for the highest on FanDuel and then he's the highest on DK but if you look at it on these short slates you know a lot of times when there's not many options to choose from I'm just kind of choosing guys who number one are throwing to good players that can maybe make something happen after the catch and number two we talked about it earlier guys who can move around and out of these four quarterbacks I mean Ben Roethlisberger is not moving anywhere except to the retirement home Matthew Stafford can move around a little bit um but 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 the uh the Pittsburgh defense has actually been better than the Denver defense mm-hmm. um, this season. And then Trevor Simeon's not really moving around either. And Kansas City, they, they have some issues on the back end, but they still have a pretty solid pass rush. So I'm kind of liking Alice Smith here to just make something happen with his legs. Maybe he can dump some, 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 some plays off to hunt, you know, in the passing game. Kelsey's a pretty good matchup for him. So it's not like, you know, his top, his top three, uh, his top two weapons can, st- can still kind of, uh, have some success against this Denver defense in the passing game. And then, you know, Tyreek Hill will probably have a rough go at it. Uh, but, 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 but I, I do like Alex Smith. Yeah. I, I think people are going to look at the 43 and a half point over under in the Denver Kansas City game and want to play Pittsburgh Detroit more, but they only they're only projected for a point and a half more. And I actually like the defenses in Pittsburgh and Detroit uh, more than I do the Denver and Kansas City defense. I, I like Alex Smith for for the reasons that you stated. Uh, Denver, if you're gonna target them, it's gonna be with the tight end. Uh, the only thing with Kelsey, it's gonna be hard to get to him if you are trying to get Le'Veon and uh, Hunt in there. But I do like Alex Smith as my other quarterback. Detroit and um and and Pittsburgh both rank really highly against quarterbacks. Uh Denver and KC outside the top ten, KC uh twenty second. So if we're just going off matchups, those are the two quarterbacks that I'm targeting despite what Vegas tells us about the scores. Yeah, I think this is kind of you alluded to it, TJ. It's a it's kind of a game where public perception might be a little warped in terms mm-hmm. of I think the pits because of the stars in the Pittsburgh game in terms of Bell and Brown. And then you see, you you know, the Lions in the Dome just kind of seem like a high scoring type of team, even though I don't know, we'll see if they have golden uh, tape this week. But, um, you know, that, that, that game is probably going to be looked at as the game to target for offense. And then people are probably going to kind of look to the KC game a little more for the, for the defenses where I think, as you alluded to, I think the, the Steelers defense is, well, far and away the best play in, in on the slate the Detroit Lions actually rank 29th in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to to opposing defenses that's only 0.2 points behind the Indianapolis Colts who we just talked about gave up 
uh, 20, 20 points to the Jaguars D last week. Pittsburgh Steelers are a favorite. They're on the road. I actually did some research that found that the sites are actually underpricing um, road favorites a little bit. They Road favorites are actually the most... Uh, valuable defenses in terms of the last few years of data and once again we see Pittsburgh kind of down there on DK at 2900 and on FanDuel they're only 4400 so they're the they're the, the bottom price defense on FanDuel and they are the second to last price defense on DK so I really like that that Le'Veon Bell uh, Steelers D uh, stack in this game. Yeah, and I I do like that call. I do want to note that uh I mean if you're playing these short slates, you're probably you definitely shouldn't be just playing one lineup because it is only four games, but you're probably playing uh, uh quite a few lineups and what I want to do is kind of take my stance on the games like you mentioned. I think people are going to have this backwards and in the games that I'm not playing Pittsburgh defense, I'm probably just going to play Detroit's defense. That's my second favorite. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is tied with Trevor Simeon for the highest interception rate of quarterbacks on this short slate. Detroit's forced the second highest interception rate in the league, not just on this slate. So I think that, uh, I think those are my two plays and I don't really want either of the other defenses in my player pool. I don't, I don't know if Ben Roethlisberger is going to throw the ball in this game. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I yeah. think I would, uh, if, if, if Slay is giving Brown any trouble, mm-hmm. which I mean, he might just not because Antonio Brown is the best receiver in football, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know that he's going to throw it. It would be, if, if they come out throwing the ball again and Ben Roethlisberger has like another three pick game, I would just be like, somebody needs to get fired in the Pittsburgh coaching staff because this can't just keep happening where they have like one, a game or two of feeding Bell and it works out great and then they go back to passing. So um, if they're smart, if they're smart, they would, they would run the ball and Ben would get, have like 20, 25 attempts because I don't think you're going to need as much to beat this Lions offense, mm-hmm. especially if Golden Tate's banged up. I mean, Matthew Stafford, I mean, we don't know how healthy he is either. He's off the injury report, it looks like. Um, but you know, he, he wasn't very healthy last time we saw him. Offensive line was struggling. Um, for Detroit, I know Haloti Nata, their interior run stuffer, is on injured reserve. So I'm expecting a very run heavy, uh, Steelers game plan here. Yeah. And we've been talking, uh, uh, quite a bit the past few weeks about, uh, about funnel defenses and Pittsburgh's been really good against the pass. I'm sorry. Uh, Detroit's been really good against the pass, but they're ranked 23rd, uh, against running backs and they've allowed the fifth most receptions to running backs this year. So it, it would make sense that they use Le'Veon heavily, not just on the ground, but if and when they do let Roethlisberger pass, it's to levy on a lot on short passes. Right. Um, all right. What about for all the listeners out there that, that need like a couple of uh, cheap plays? We already mm-hmm. talked about Juju. Anybody else you're looking at kind of down there that can make some of these guys like the Bells and the Hunts and the Thomasons and the Kelseys uh, work? Uh, what what cheaper plays would you be looking to to fill out the lineup? Yeah, there's been a lot of... um. A lot of the short slates this year, you really haven't seen like a full onslaught. But I mean, if you've paid attention over the past few years, things like qualifiers and whatnot on these short slates, a lot of times it's just a full on game stack ignoring the other game. And I, I think this might be one of the weeks to do it outside of, uh, just outside of just, uh, Le'Veon and then Juju for the price saving. I'm just looking to that Casey Denver game and I think it's a week where I'm trying to get a wide receiver in the flex. So I actually like, uh, Benny Fowler, uh, opposite of Demarius. He only had five targets last week, but again, Kansas City secondary has been pretty susceptible. And then I think they're just going to keep avoiding Marcus Peters. And like I said, they kind of flip flop which side they play on the Denver receivers. They're one of those concentrated offenses. Again, going back to your, uh, review this week, we saw it last week with Kenny Stills, these teams that throw to their receivers a ton, still stepped in for Parker, saw a decent target share, and I think that could be Fowler this week. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Uh, you know, he, he's he's going to be he's going to be a starting wide receiver, so I think you got to show him some love. Uh, another interesting one, I think, if 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 Denver uh, gets behind in the game, is actually uh, AJ. Derby, um, you know, short slate Kansas City's ninth in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end. So the matchup isn't great, but, um, Derby, we saw last week when the team kind of got down, 
um, and was coming back in garbage time. He ended up with seven targets and six catches for 66 yards. Um, two weeks before, before that, two games before that, excuse me, he also had 75 yards on four catches and six targets against the Oakland Raiders with a touchdown. So um, in two of his last three games, he's been over uh, 11 DraftKings points. And it's kind of a sneaky play that you could throw in, in your flex spot on DK or if you're going really contrarian on FanDuel and kind of want to make some other um, some other things work, you can kind of um, go with him there. I don't really think he needs to on FanDuel, but on DK is interesting. Um, I think that um, Eli Rogers is an interesting play on DraftKings. He's minimum priced, and we know that, uh, you know, Martavis Bryant, starting wide receiver at least you know getting 60 70 percent of the snaps is out I think you're gonna see a ton of juju but um, when they do go to three wide sets you are gonna see Eli Rogers so if you know if he gets you know maybe three four catches or something like that if that if, if you if you need a minimum price guy for your flex spot on DraftKings I think he's certainly um viable amongst all of the other um, players in that range which probably are going to have a tougher time. You can't really go with, with any of the Chiefs guys like a Demarcus Robinson in this game because he's going to have to deal with the Denver uh, with the Denver secondary, so you can't really look at him. I mean, TJ Jones, maybe he's up at 3,500, though, um, if Golden Tate sits. Yeah, that that's the play that stood out to me. I mean, that's Eli Rogers is just one of those plays where on these short slates so many times, it's just one cheap guy that if you aren't used to playing short slates, you just are used to scratching off your list. But, I mean, he's basically going to fall into whenever they're rolling out three wide receiver sets, it's going to be Rodgers. And we've actually seen him do decent in this role before. Last year, uh, he, he needed to play that wide receiver three role and had a couple decent games. So, uh, with Martavis out of the mix, I think that's probably the only cheap receiver besides Fowler that, that we can consider. Demarcus Robinson did see a huge uptick in target share last week, but uh, I think you're going to have to wait another week to take advantage of that because of the reasons that you stated. I'm not too interested in really any of, I, I kind of already mentioned, any of the running backs outside of Hunt and Bell. The only reason <laughs> I'm going to be getting off either of those plays is because uh, I am going to want exposure to Kelsey, and I think it's pretty much impossible to have a Hunt Bell Kelsey lineup. I can do it. I, I, I think you could do it. All right, let's let's see. Yeah. DraftKings. All right. If I go Bell Hunt, uh, Smith Schuster, Thomas, Kelsey, Steelers D, I have thirty seven hundred remaining uh, each for two, like thirty seven hundred per player for two mm-hmm. players. That's with Smith. If I go with Simeon, I would have forty four hundred remaining. So yeah, now it can actually be done on yeah. DK pretty easily. Um, you could actually put. You could even put CJ Anderson in the flex or somebody like mm-hmm. that. Um, and you still have 3,100, which you could then play Rodgers. Um, you could also use like a Theo Riddick or a Amir Abdullah, which I guess on drafting at 4,200 isn't that bad of a play just considering all the volume he's getting. And then you'd have 4K for another, for a third wideout, which you could go with like Fowler. So it's actually sure. pretty doable. Um, if you're playing, it, really the one that you're not going to be able to fit in if you go Bell Hunt Kelsey is, uh, is Antonio Brown. Antonio, sure. Yeah, so like if you go with Ant- if you want to go Antonio Brown and Kelsey, let's see what happens. You'd need to go with if you went uh Simeon Bell Hunt Brown Kelsey Steelers, you'd have an average of 3300 remaining for three players. So you'd have to go like Eli Rogers, uh a tight end in the flex like Derby and then you'd have oh, and then you'd have exactly 4K for for Smith Schuster or Fowler. So I mean, yeah, I guess you could actually do it. <laughs> you could go Simeon Bell Hunt, Brown, Rogers, Smith, Schuster, Kelsey, Derby, Steelers, or or yeah, so yeah, yeah. So I guess the the big decision point is like how 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 much you want to go stars and scrubs. But like I said, my my uh overweight option is going to be locking in Le'Veon Bell with Hunt, and then just trying to stack that game as much as possible. Well, I'm just about to enter this lineup just in case it is. <laughs> yes. You guys heard it, everyone. You guys got to hear it live. If if Chris wins uh, this week, you you heard him build the lineup. I'm just gonna. I'm just. I just opened the five dollars, so that's what I'm gonna enter it in. But yeah, <laughs> let's see what. I, what's first place in this? Oh, 100k. That's not bad. Yeah. So if I win 100k, um, you, you guys, guys heard it live. But yeah. So um, that's on. Let's see. On Fanduel, it might be a little harder. I can. I have it open right now. If I go Bell Hunt Kelsey, you got uh five eight seventeen with only those three. Let's see. You get the kicker in there and uh, get a quarterback in there. Uh. Yeah, I mean, it's actually doable on FanDuel as well. If you go with two really, you have, if you went Simeon, Bell, Hunt, 
Brown, Kelsey, McManus, Broncos. Oh, wait, let me get down from the Broncos to the Steelers. Um, Steelers, you'd have 48.50 um, per wide receiver. And you, what is Smith-Schuster? Mm, yeah, it'd be tough on, it'd be tough on FanDuel to get everybody in unless you went with, um, you could go TJ Jones though, and then you'd use a, a minute. Oh, you could go TJ. Oh, I actually got one. Simeon, Bell, Hunt, Brown, Jones, Rogers. Kelsey McManus Steelers. So it's doable on both sides. Yeah. Um, it's just really kind of, uh, pushing it. It just depends on if those, those mid, that minimum price play hit, pays off. So, um, you know, it's kind of a risky player, but in tournaments, I mean, I think it's certainly viable because it's not like a ton of people are going to have, uh, you know, Eli Rogers or TJ Jones. So, I mean, there's, there's some kind of leverage to be had with these wide receivers, but I, I do agree. I think, you know, Bell Hunt, Kelsey are kind of the three plays you really want to get in. Um, Antonio Brown, I like it. I kind of like the jam Antonio Brown into that just because I think people are probably going to kind of tell themselves, okay, this is not the week to play him because of Slay. And mm-hmm. I think that's kind of true, maybe a little more on the main slate on FanDuel where you have AJ Green or even Julio Jones at slightly lower price points that kind of can give you that similar upside if you're looking for it in a tournament. You know, Brown is obviously a floor play. That's part of his appeal of why he's the highest price wide receiver. He's going to get you pretty much double digit points every single week. But um, in a, in a tournament, on this small slate, I mean, the odds of it, the odds of Antonio Brown finishing as the top wide receiver are still probably like ridiculously in his favor. Um, sure. even, even compared to, to Demarius. I mean, I think one thing with Demarius that we have to keep in mind, and I, I probably should have weighed it more heavily last week was when you have kind of a bad quarterback or a not so great quarterback and you have a team with one weapon only, uh, it's kind of, it can be troublesome. I mean, they can, I know he had the 81 yard play call back, but I mean, really didn't get much going. You know, the defense can just really kind of zone in on, on that one wide receiver. And I think, um, Kansas City is a pretty man coverage based team. I believe they play more man than anyone in the league. So Thomas will get his one on ones with Terrence Mitchell. And I think that's where he has to capitalize. But I mean, without a, a, another guy like a Manny Sanders, it might be an issue only because they could, they could, they could give Mitchell safety help over the top on essentially every play, which I don't think you could have done last week against the Raiders with, with, uh, mm-hmm. with Crabtree Cooper or against the, what other teams really beat him up? Um, the, 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 the Texans, you can't really do it with Fuller and Hopkins. Um, Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown, so he's going to get off regardless of what safety help you put on him. But, um, I, I think, I do think that, you know, Mitchell's numbers are a little inflated only because, um, he's been in a lot of these one-on-one situations where there's been other receivers that the team has had to worry about. So, I mean, that, that, that kind of is for looking at both sides of like what could go wrong in a situation I think you have to keep that in mind with uh, Demarius yeah it's a really great point we talked about that last week just kind of looking looking through and see seeing what could go awry and uh, I mean we we actually got kind of close we just didn't uh, we didn't emphasize it as strongly but that exercise led us to the belief that uh, there there was a chance that that Atlanta New England game went under and uh, now uh, I guess it's time for our bowl calls this week Yes, sir. Last week, I got my bowl call wrong with Atlanta going in to beat New England. I don't know why um, I thought that looking back on it because Atlanta's <laughs> playing not good. Um, did get the Amari Cooper call right, though, so that worked out. Um, who you got, TJ, for your bowl call this week? Let's start with a, uh, start with a team bold call this week or game bold call. Sure. So I kind of alluded to this a, a little bit that I think the, the Raiders and, uh, Bills can be a sneaky high scoring game and, and you like Crabtree too. So, uh, I think you might be a little bit on board with this, but I actually think Oakland pulls off the upset, uh, in a, a little bit of a shootout in Buffalo. I've been looking at some numbers and there's the, the West Coast team traveling to the East Coast for a early game, uh, idea that, that teams really struggle in that spot. Spot, but uh, since the beginning of 2013, West Coast teams in that spot or early game on the East Coast, they're actually 26 and 23, and they've scored one point over their implied total. Basically, we just had a lot of really bad teams on the West Coast for a really long time. The, the Raiders, Niners, uh, before Russ got to the Seahawks, uh, San Diego's been spotty. I think that contributed more than to the the travel uh, issue. And I mean, teams are basically. 500, like what you, what you would expect, uh, kind of against the line. And then, uh, if there is any discrepancy in scoring, Vegas is probably already adjusting for it. So we're not really getting an advantage from what I've seen 
seen recently in following that trend. Uh, Oakland, uh, they're coming off of basically a bye week. They played last Thursday, so uh, they've had quite a long time to prepare for Buffalo. Buffalo gave up 434 yards and 27 points uh, to Tampa Bay last weekend. I actually like Oakland's offense more without Marshawn this week. I think they're just not going to feel like they're they're forced to give Marshawn those carries. I think he's the worst running back on the team. I know that sounds kind of hot takey, but if you're reading any of 4-4 stuff leading up to the season, I think we're all kind of on board with that idea. And because they're not going to be forced to to give the ball to Marshawn, I think they can just be a lot more creative with their offense, which they'll have to be against Buffalo. And I think they pull out the East Coast upset. I, I agree with you on, on the call. I, I was not on board with that. I think Marshawn Wentz is still the best running back on the team. <laughs> I think DeAndre Washington is the third best running back on the team. Sure. I know I know you and Hoka disagree. Um, I think Jalen Richard is the second best running back on the team. I think Richard should have been playing ahead of Washington. He's been more productive on the field, <laughs> essentially, in his, throughout both of their careers, Richard has essentially been um, the more productive player, even though he doesn't have the the higher uh, draft pedigree, and he's mm-hmm. made more explosive plays. So, but I think well, I think Marshawn has looked honestly has looked fine this year. I mean, he's made some good runs. It's just their O line hasn't really been as good as it was supposed to be, mm-hmm. and they have their team isn't really <laughs> that good either. So they ha- they haven't right. had a positive script, and the, the the negative with Marshawn in terms of fantasy anyway is that he's not catching more than like a pass or two a game. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, he, it's kind of a, it's been a rough season for him. Uh, my game bold call is that the New York Jets are going to beat the Falcons at home. So now I'm going, you know, complete 180. We're going against the Falcons. I mean, I, I, I thought the Falcons were just kind of having a real rough patch, but, you know, looking at it more, I mean, this is a team that came within, you know, Mike Glennon, Jordan Howard dropping a Mike Glennon touchdown pass. Which just, wow, Bears, like, that's, (laughs) like, listening to that sentence, it's like, quarterback and the receiver in that scenario in, like, a a game-winning situation. (laughs) Not good, but anyway, so yeah, the Falcons should have lost, uh, you know, that game, they lost the game to the Bills at home, they lost the game to the Dolphins at home, now they're on the road um, going to play the New York Jets, who have been in essentially every game they've played except uh, the, the the game against the Raiders, which they were an East Coast team traveling west and really you know kind of got got it handed to them in that game. But I mean they they've been in a game versus the Patriots where they could have even tied the game if not for kind of a silly call. And I just don't know that the Falcons really know what to do on offense. I think they're going to make some adjustments this week, but. Uh, even if you just look at the track record, I'm sure they've made <laughs> adjustments after every week because every week they essentially have a disappointing offensive performance almost, or at least, you know, each of the last three, the 17 points, 17 points and, and seven points against the New England Patriots who had been uh, on a historically bad um, pace in terms of defense. So I, I'm not, I'm not liking the Falcons chances of winning the game. I think it could be kind of a, a maybe a higher scoring game than, than we've seen in the past, but um, yeah, I, I don't really like the Falcons chances yeah i actually don't hate that call and i mean what you said at the end kind of lines up with my player bold calls it it might seem like it it goes contrary uh contrary to what you're saying but i think Devontae freeman has his best fantasy game of the year this year that's my uh player bold call he's had uh 70 percent snap rate in consecutive games and uh that's for the first two times that he's exceeded 70 percent of the snaps all year i just don't people maybe didn't notice because uh they played that really slow uh, slow paced, low scoring game against Miami. And then they just, their offense was not hitting on any cylinders last week, but, uh, the Jets rank 26 or worse in every, uh, adjusted fantasy points allowed to every skill position. Uh, so I think that, like you said, this, this can be a little bit of a surprise shootout, even if Atlanta does come out on the wrong end. The Jets, uh, have went over their implied total four times. So, uh, Jets have consistently been scoring more than expected, uh, but they have a bad defense, uh, against most positions. And if Freeman continues that high snap rate, I think we could finally see him have a, a pretty big game. Yeah. And I think that would be one of the adjustments they should make. I mean, Freeman, the way he's playing, he's been playing really well. I mean, mm-hmm. he, they just need to give him, you know, 25 touches in a game and, and they kind of need to do what the Saints are doing with Ingram and Kamara. I mean, mm-hmm. give Freeman 25 touches, give Coleman another 10 to 15 and any, and when you go to the air, just look for Julio. 
like the Saints look for Michael Thomas and, and let all the other players be role players? Because right now it just seems like they can't manage multiple things at once. Like they'll have a game where Freeman's kind of the focal point and then they'll, they'll, they want to force feed targets to Julio down the stretch yesterday. So they do that. And then Freeman's kind of, you know, non-existent. So it's just they and Coleman's kind of really not been as much of a factor as he should have been. I know I wasn't particularly high on him coming into the season for that exact reason that I thought he could get lost in the shuffle there, but they need to make him more of a factor too. So um, until they figure it out, I'm going to keep, I'm going to start betting against the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, and my player bowl call is somebody we didn't really get to talk about, but I think Nelson Aguilar is going to be a top five uh, fantasy receiver this week. I think he, um, he kind of I talked about this in my daily fantasy playbook article in the off season for wide receivers. But after we get past about four or five games, production uh, kind of outweighs target volume in terms of what's the most predictive stat for, for wide receivers. A lot of people think it's target volume and they kind of look for the targets. Um, but what actually is, has been the most predictive is production. So essentially what's happening there is, you know, there's so many different types of targets and, and, and looking at air yards does help it a bit, but in red zone targets and things of that nature, but there are just so many different types of targets for wide receivers and so many different talent levels that, you know, targets alone aren't necessarily going to be the end all be all, especially if a receiver isn't converting those targets into fantasy points for whatever reason. I mean, we saw that last year with guys like Allen Robinson and DeAndre Hopkins and Brandon Marshall, where, you know, some people just kept banging their heads against the wall trying to start these guys every week whether it was in real life I mean excuse me season long or DFS but it just wasn't happening because of whatever situations they had going on and, and Aguilar is kind of at the opposite end of that spectrum where he, his target volume has been a little spotty it's uh he's been he's been getting a, a little more um these last few games but on the season it stands at five over the last three games it's at uh, six targets per game but he is uh still averaging uh, over 50 yards a game 0.7 uh, touchdowns per game he's getting red zone targets he's getting targeted deep and uh, I think he has a lot of different ways to score against this uh, 49ers uh, defense which just doesn't really have much talent at the cornerback position we know slot corner Kawan Williams is not very good they rank 21st in schedule adjusted fantasy points allowed to wide receivers yeah, I love that. If you're gonna if you're gonna go with the chalky wins and looking for a way to make a lineup unique, I think that is definitely the move. Yes, sir. So that about does it for DFS MVP for week number eight of 2017. Hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Again, if you would be kind enough to give us a rate and review on iTunes and you send us a screenshot to DFS MVP at 444.com, we will hook you up with a 25% off the 444 DFS subscription. Um, I know it's been helping out a lot of people. Um, if you guys read my Raybon's review article this week, You'll see that a lot of players in the winning lineups had a top two, top three, or top five GPP leverage scores, a top five value rankings and things of that nature. So um, really cool subscription. Hope you guys check it out. And follow TJ on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. Follow myself on Twitter at Chris Raybon. Follow 444 on Twitter at 444 Football. If you're a season-long player, make sure you check out John Paulson's Most Accurate Podcast. You can find that a link to that on 444.com as well. TJ, any last words before we get out of here? Yeah, bling bling brought us in. I think that makes us the cash shmoney millionaires. Get this shmoney. Every time I come around the city, bling bling. Pink and ring, read about any bling bling. Every time I buy a new guy, bling bling. The rentals on your car, I'm a bad bling bling. Every time I come around the city, bling bling. Pink and ring, read about any bling bling. Every time I buy a new guy, bling bling. Yeah, it's the player with the Lex Bubba Candy-coated helicopter with the leather cover If you're slurping, I take off the rubber Then toss that broad player, cause I don't love her Ballers, man, they bought a private plane They turned around and saw that thing, you're the Juvie Wayne They put 30 inch Lorenzo's on that thing, man You little kids out there just don't understand